Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in the sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light. Creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First light. Go farther, stay longer. All right, man, this is a good one. This is about, you know this is the show I'm looking most forward to for the whole year. Even though <laughs> even though our guest thinks it's stupid. <laughs> he's over it, probably. He's what he's so over it. We have in studio. The guy, Jason Fisher, it's a great last name for what we're talking about. It fits. Jason Fisher, the guy who caught the the walleye cheaters in the now infamous and it's like I don't know, is it famous or infamous? It's infamous. Yeah, the both. infamous yeah. walleye tournament cheating scandal of, of Ohio, of Lake Erie. He's shaking his head no. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't even know what I'm doing here. This is it's it's unreal what's going on. <laughs> We're still getting phone calls from news outlets and podcasts and all these people want like think we're interesting and I'm just like I have no clue how this went such a worldwide thing and and here I sit with you uh, out here in Bozeman, Montana, <laughs> ready <laughs> ready to talk about it. But but let's do it. You know when I knew the story was uh, I mean the minute I saw it I knew it was interesting but I just thought it would be very contained. And and I knew about it right off the bat because uh, Chester's walleye derby partner, Seth, that we work with, I was with Seth, and Seth, like, stays hip to uh, all things walleye and all things tournament. So I, it wasn't like – it was like hours after the after it happened, he had knew, he knew some shit about it. And so right away, uh, I was like, oh, that's, God, that's fascinating. And – I was that day, I think it was the next day after the tournament, I was telling Crin, like, get the guy on the show, get the guy on the show. And uh, then it blew up, and I knew it had officially blown up when I saw a guy on Barstool Sports, of all places, <laughs> yeah. trying to describe it. And this dude <laughs> is so, like has zero idea what he's talking about. He, he said that they were putting uh, metal balls in the fish. <laughs> 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 metal balls. Yeah, the day I was like metal balls. Right after that happened, Seth and I got like 
I don't know how many, like a hundred DMs. People were like, did you see this already? We're like, yeah, we we saw it. <laughs> I use that to gauge the. Uh, I use that. That's one of my primary metrics to gauge how interesting something is to people. Is how many of my friends will independently um, send me something. So like the Coronado shit. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Yep. Like how many? Maybe like, five, or I probably more people said the mammoth that, that they were able to reconstruct his travels based on the yep. the mm-hmm. what you call it. But if you're late to the game, it's like don't even bother sending it to Steve because no, because I need you, it. You've already heard it. Well, I know, you but know I need I'm, to use. Oh, okay, I got. But you. I need to know, so I shouldn't like, right, like one seventeen one people sending the same text yeah. message. I'm like, yeah. uh, whatever. I'm just two, trying not to clog up your phone. No, two, <laughs> I get. Two, I get like titillated. Hmm. If I get up into four and five, I know we're on something. Yep. And and I'm a, this probably shattered the record, even <laughs> though you think it's stupid. <laughs> so so, I, I, and the crazy thing is, is you were first, man. I mean, so really? it it I swear. So it turns into the day of you know people within our 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 community, our anglers. I mean, they're just rapid fire and they're starting the memes, they're starting this, they're starting that. <laughs> And then and there's some good memes. There were some great memes. My favorite memes. is the my favorite is the I think it was you as Trump and the two other walleye fishermen as Biden and Pelosi. Yeah. 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 That one I so again, Come I received on. that one like you said, I, you gauge how good something is by how many people. So I have like friends from high school and just people who I haven't talked to in years. They're like sending me like, "Oh, look at this." You know, like like I haven't seen it already 1300 times. <laughs> but 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 then so like the next day after this I start to get calls from all these media outlets and then you texted me and you're like hey this is Steve Ranella with Media Eater like I, like nobody knows who the hell you are and I'm like yeah okay this is probably one of my buddies <laughs> like trying to trying to joke on me cuz at this point nobody was nobody like that no no national level media outlet is trying to get a hold of me it's just it's just people burning my phone up buddies and then I'm like, yeah, all right, you know. And then I'm like, what? I don't believe you. So you call me. <laughs> yeah, he texted me. He said, give me a call so I know it's you. Well, and the first thing he told me, the first thing you said is, I don't know what to say. They cheated and got caught. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it, it was just one of those where I'm like, why? I didn't realize. I can understand Lake Erie. You know, it's a big fishery. I can understand tournament fishermen nationwide even bass guys catfish guys all these fishermen i can understand why those people are going to be upset but just the the whole vast majority like you see tiktok tiktok went nuts with just parodies and memes and people using like the the sound and i to me still right now i i have no clue why it turned into such a big deal i mean we're getting calls from new zealand australia you know, London, all these media outlets wanting the story, Norway. I mean, I'm just like, this is unbelievable. Meanwhile, meanwhile, my wife's like, you got kids to watch. Like, I don't care who's calling. <laughs> She's like, you you worked all day yesterday, and, I, you know, you got to take care of the kids right now. And I'm like, no, like, this is the Discovery Channel or something. <laughs> And, and she's like, she's like, I don't care who it is, he, you know, get up and take care of your kid. He needs some food or something. This even spread into a, a circle of video game journalists I follow on Twitter who were like, wow, I'm learning about a whole new world here. You follow video game journalists on Twitter? Yeah, Steve. Are you surprised by this? Fact? Twitter's not dead after all, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now Phil's be he'll be able to say what he really thinks on Twitter now. Yeah, yep. what he really thinks about video oh, yeah. games. So you still have no idea why this? Why do oh, you I, think it blew I, up? Oh, I'll tell him exactly. His 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 worries are over. I'm going to tell him exactly why it's interesting. But first. <laughs> We gotta talk about a couple other things. You got a minute, right? I got a little bit. I'm gonna tell you why I think it's interesting. You want me to tease it for you? Let's tease it. How in the world would you not think that someone's gonna realize there's big ass lead balls in a fish? <laughs> Just think about that one for a minute. <laughs> if they had gotten caught rigging a scale, no one would care. Right. But there's an audacity. There's like a crazy audacity to it. And then also, also, the, the, the way in which the gentleman in the video, the way in which the perpetrator just decides to stand there and hang his head and take his lumps as though he'd been tied to a whipping post. Oh, yeah. It was, it was brutal. I oh, I would have run. One, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of two, one of two stayed there. The other one did run. Oh, he did run. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's that juicy. makes it even more interesting. Yeah. Oh, there's, I was oh, wondering where the other, someone told that. me the other guy was in his truck or something, but he knew what was going on. So I'll tell you all about it. Well, you know, that's, what, that's what you're here for. Right. Well, hold tight, because we got to talk about something else real quick. Well, yeah, I was going to I was gonna give you a cliffhanger right back. I was oh, please. Yeah, cliffhanger. <laughs> Dude, cliffhanger. Double cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. I love it. No, I, but that, that in and of itself is a great story, too, because the guys... Not me. The anglers is is who make this story interesting. These are the guys that just wanted to punish these dudes because I'm the facilitator, right? Like if we're all here and we're betting, we're you know we're playing darts or something, and you say, "Hey, Fisher, hold the cash." It's not my money; it's your money, right? Yep. So I'm not the one. I'm upset because it's my it's my venue, but these guys, it's their money. It's their time to shine, and that's that's why this story's bad for all these dudes. Yep. You, but you wound up being. We'll get into this, but you wound up being like Gandhi. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. Like you could feel it was ready to teeter over the edge at any second. You know, I was gonna, there was another. Uh, you know, Henry Kissinger won a Nobel Peace Prize, but had I said you were like Kissinger, people would be like, "You mean like uh, the." Um, clandestine bombing operations in Laos and Cambodia? Or do you mean the, the <laughs> or do you mean the Nobel Peace Prize? That's right. So I went Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi's a better choice. Oh, yeah. Love it. Uh, Gandhi wouldn't approve of walleye fishing. Probably not. But it was Gandhi-esque. <laughs> yes. What you, that you didn't want these, that, that you, that you thought to, you like, like the Lady Justice you, the first thing on your mind was being like the, the individual's safety, sensing the heated passions, because you'd have thought it was going to wind up being that someone was going to get their ass beat, pummeled. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I saved the day, but I, I truly believe that had it gone on for a little bit longer, one of these guys would have just said to hell with it and just, and just went after him, sure. you know? And, uh, then and they, they would have enjoyed the full support. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole, then, then we probably wouldn't be here because then the story would be twisted in a different light. Right. It, it wouldn't be mm -hmm. somebody, you know, put some weights and fish. It would be, you know, big brawl at a walleye thing. And then <laughs> unhinged we, walleye fishermen. Right. Yeah. yeah. We, we would probably never be able to walleye fish again on, on the lakeshore, you know, they'd be, uh, there'd be articles about the 
further testament to the divisiveness of American culture today. <laughs> um, all right, a couple things to hit on. This one, there's a thing we've been wanting to talk about for a long time, but we never, it never, it's very important to me that I talk about it, but it never seems like a good time to talk about it. So let's got to talk about it. Um, there's this new U.S. geological survey report. People are going to be sitting there being like, why in the world are you talking about this? When we could hear about, we got weights and fish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's the thing I want to talk about. I don't know. I just want people to know about this because I don't know what, I don't know what any individual is going to do about it, but we'll talk about it. So we've covered in the past. If you watch me eat the television show, you saw an episode we did about sage grouse. Okay. And in the episode about sage grouse, we covered the, the sagebrush sea or the sagebrush ecosystem. A new report came out from the U.S. Geological Survey. Uh, we've also in the past had on people from the U.S. Geological Survey. We had on a guy who's ran the process of trying to count how many grizzly bears are in the lower 48. We had on a guy that works on the way ducks move disease um, particularly the way Asiatic diseases flow into North America via ducks. Um, and I'll point out the geological survey is not a, they're, they're not a policymaking agency. The U.S. Geological Survey, they don't manage land. They don't do policy. They do science for policymakers. They're saying that uh, we've lost half of the original sagebrush ecosystems. We are losing 1.3, over the past 20 years, we've lost 1.3 million acres of sagebrush habitat per year. Another thing I didn't realize, the sagebrush ecosystem, I'm reading from this report, the sagebrush ecosystem is the largest terrestrial biome in the lower 48. Like what you mean by the biggest terrestrial biome in the world is the taiga. So it's that mixed aspen black spruce stuff that you met that, that like crossed most of Canada, interior Alaska, Siberia. The taiga is the largest biome, but this is the largest biome, largest terrestrial. So land-based biome in the lower 48, 165 million acres spanning 13 Western States. Uh, there's a recommendation in here that, People have been focused for a long time. Sagebrush recovery has been focused on looking at compromised sagebrush areas and trying to restore low quality sagebrush areas. And this report and the people thinking about this report are suggesting that it'd be like a radical reconsideration, it seems to me, and switch gears and just try to preserve, not just try to, focus on preserving the remaining 33 million acres of sagebrush. Which is kind of like, it's almost fatalistic because it's kind of like kissing the ones that are there goodbye. No, that's depressing as shit. That is. What is the, like, we're losing so many of those acres due to what? Like, what's the main thing that is? for? So I'll tell you. It's a great question, Chester. Then we're going to get to your thumb and your baby. Um... <laughs> Increased fire, uh, when you burn it, when it burns, cheat grass beats it to the punch. I got you. So after you cook it off. Then an invasive comes in. Yeah. Oh. 
cheat grass is like, ha, fuckers. And it just grows everywhere. And it just, the sagebrush hmm. is too slow to recover. And so non, non-natives get a foothold and they never, they just grab hold. Gotcha. Uh, also related to fire suppression and other things and, and climate issues, um, juniper encroachment. Seen a lot of that where yeah. I which, just was in Colorado. Yeah, you which see are those junipers lot. native? Yeah, but they're yeah. just they're just out competing sagebrush, and in some play in some ways they look at fire suppression because you don't. Historically, you had these very low level, fast burning fires often, mm-hmm. right? That would be adversarial to sagebrush and ben, adversarial to juniper, but f- through fire suppression, you've got junipers that grow in on sagebrush. This is all these pictures. Like they'll find old, like some hundred year old picture, and you go and get the photographer to stay in the exact same place and take a picture now, and you're just like, holy shit! Like even you wouldn't believe if you're when you're cruising around now. You're not getting, like, even in this area, you're not getting a sense of how open shit used to be. Yeah. From other stuff, lodgepole, juniper, just pine encroachment on grasslands. Yeah. And it's just like anything, like, in the mountains, now those fire, it's just based off of fires mainly, you know? Hot burning fire now will just, you know, wipe out the undergrowth and whatnot and, and it gets beat by yeah. these like super prevalent non-natives and the other thing is human encroachment uh subdivisions oil and gas development um that's like kind of the most immediately controllable one um, yeah it looks like this report says about a quarter of the impact is attributed to urban development that's that's a lot you look at the gallatin valley it's like where where can we build and it's basically just like out towards out the, the Three Forks brush. area, yep. and yep. between Three Forks and Townsend, that's all sage, and that's like huge development area right now. That's why I'm like I've I've over the years become like a very much a cows not condos guy, man. You have that bumper sticker. I need to get one. Cows <laughs> not condos. Like a lot of people, like people on the sort of like. I don't even want to say radical. There's a lot of people from the environmental and conservation space that are always very quick to point fingers at ranchers um, because of various things like cattle on stream banks and stream bank erosion and eating grass, whatever. But I'll tell you what, man, you look at that or a parking lot. Right. There's a real finality to concrete. Yeah, you yeah. can't go There's back. There's not a real finality to a crop field. Right. Crop field looks to me like currently doing something and has so much future potential. But now, in concrete, mm, you're like, yeah, that spot's done. Not many people have killed a Hungarian partridge in a Walmart parking lot, probably. <laughs> no. I mean, I could also be mistaken to say this, but I, I, my sense is that a fair number of the people who are maybe throwing farming and ranching under the bus or those who are moving into the condos or buying the condos. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. And also they're like, ab- they're absolutists and they're, they don't think they're, I don't think they're even kind of realistic. Sure. I don't think they're kind of realistic. To be like, oh, you know, industrial ag will go away and it'll be replaced by national parks. It's like, no, it won't. <laughs> yeah, you're never going to get back <laughs> to where you were 200 years ago. And this is talking about sage grouse. Um, it's talking about pronghorn. Mule deer, it even mentions cattle grazing, but you just take the wildlife end of it. Um, those species aren't imperiled because of cattle ranching, right? Not like they are from not like they are from concrete development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Chester cut his thumb open and had a baby. 
<laughs> yeah. What do you want to talk about first? Well, first I had the baby. No, let's cover that first then. Yeah. Um, we were, well, the little, little pooper's still supposed to be in, in the oven right now. Not supposed to have been born. Right. I think he was due the 19th, uh, of this month, November. Mm-hmm. And he came, uh, the ninth. Yeah. He came the 19th of October. What I, the thing I find most interesting about your baby, who I visited and, and held, is that you thought that was nice you, of you bringing us meatloaf. You thought you were mm. gonna. Did you see those hatch green chilies in there? Yeah, they're delicious. <laughs> and my neighbor gave those to me. My neighbor Jet Boat Pat gave those to me. So oh, thank him. Uh, what I was gonna say is, you thought was so funny is you were trying to angle how we were going to go hunting this coming weekend because the baby wouldn't... People are like, man, that's pretty close to the due date. Yeah, I mean, I... I, <laughs> I don't think I was actually going to make that happen. But you got you to gotta entertain the idea or else things are never going to happen. That's true, man. So um, I thought about it, but the more I thought about it, the more I wasn't going to go mule there hunting. And, uh, yeah, no, this, we almost delivered the baby in the car. Yeah. Danielle went from her busy, normal self, running around town, editing photos. Yelling at Chester for having COVID. Yelling, <laughs> yelling at me for laying on the couch saying I was tired. <laughs> no, that didn't happen. But she, uh, yeah, it was just her normal busy self on the 18th. We went to bed and she said to me, I've got, I've got some kind of weird cramps going on um she's pretty tough but she's like you can go back to bed it's fine and this is probably at midnight and i wake up at like two and she's like i still got these cramps i'm gonna go take a hot shower and she started getting a little the cramps started getting a little worse and she called bozeman hospital here and they're like maybe you should just come in and have us check you out and then her water broke a little bit, but she still wasn't like in pain or she didn't think she was in labor. She was in, in labor and, uh, we, I put her in the car and we, I started at about 70 miles an hour on the, on the interstate and we started driving to Bozeman. It's about a 25 minute drive. By the time we ended up, uh, you know, between Belgrade and Bozeman, we're, I was probably going 105, because uh, <laughs> she said, he is coming now, <laughs> and she was even out of her seatbelt, back arched, up in the air, her hands were like down there, because she thought he was coming. Trying to and, hold him in. And I'm sitting there like just inside, an emotional wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Outside, oh, did you think about pulling over and just trying to have the baby? No, no. I, I wasn't gonna do that until she was like, He's you know, half out, he's he's there. Gotcha. Yeah, my old man delivered a baby on the side of a road one time, really. Yeah, yeah, I, a woman that was trying to get to had pulled over and he said, Well, delivered it in that he just caught the baby, shot out. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, Dear God, please just. <laughs> <laughs> make him stay in there just a little bit longer because oh, yeah. I I had a plan. Like it was like I was gonna pull o- call nine one one immediately. Yeah. 
And then if I was going to get pulled over on the interstate, I was going to keep going and also call sure. 911 and tell them. Bullets flying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we made it. We got a mad chase. Great idea. On the interstate. <laughs> He's going to go off at the hospital exit. <laughs> yeah. He's pulling over at the ER. Anyways, I pull over at the ER. Uh, quick back pedal a little bit. In the car, she didn't have that baby bump anymore. You know, really, she had his feet. What I think were his feet. Now he was so low, his feet were pushing on her stomach. So there was no baby bump. It was like a triangle and you could see his feet like pushing out on her stomach. I think that's what it was, but it was like a, something out of a sci-fi. Like he changed position big time. Yep. And Meantime, in my head, there were some not so good thoughts coming going around because. Give me an example. Is <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you mean. I honestly don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. being cute. I thought something was real wrong because oh. it was early. Oh, and oh I was, yeah, of course. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. And you know, obviously, she was in labor. It's my first time having a child. She's in pain, pain. Mm. Uh, I look over and it's not a normal baby bump. It's this weird oh, yeah, two yeah, feet yeah. trying to kick himself out. Um, so it's early. It's early too. So, anyways, we got to the hospital. The guy, uh, security guard, like looked scared to death because Danielle was like, "Get me, get me to the you know delivery room." And he's running her down the hallway. I park the car, run back in, and I sprint down this long hallway. And at the end of this hallway are two doors and, you know, it's the delivery room. It's kind of weird how it's just, you know, this long hallway. And at the end of it is the room we run into. Danielle gets on the bed. She's like, can I get an epidural? They're like, well, we'll check you out real quick. They're like, no, honey, you're having this baby right now. Basically, the doctor comes in and has just enough time to snap on his gloves. And I grab one leg and nurse grab the other leg and... Out pops Oscar. Yeah. Chester, I love you, and I would raise that baby as my own if I had to, but I will not call it Oscar. I'm going to call it Chester. <laughs> <laughs> I've been telling him since day one. Please, please elaborate. He was going to call it Chester, and it changed his mind. No, I didn't. I never said, I'm going to call it Chester. I pondered the idea, but Oscar... He'd be the last Chester. Oscar Gregory <laughs> Floyd. OG. OG. OG, that's pretty good. <laughs> I might call him OG. Just call him OC. Anyway, OC. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, anyway, OC, that's not bad. Anyways, he's he's healthy. He's small, so he was on oxygen for a little while. Um, but he's doing, Oh, he's cute as all he's get out. He's doing real good. Well, now he's gaining weight, too. Yeah. He's still not as big as those walleyes. <laughs> you're catching this here. I tried on the day when I got the text message that your baby had been born. I I got a little angling in that day, and I wanted so bad to catch a walleye. And that, so I could always tell your little kid, yeah, OG. I could always be like, uh, "Dude, I caught a walleye the day you were born. Don't ever forget that." Is what I would have said to him. Uh, instead, all I got is a moon eye. No one cares about that. I caught a moon eye the day you were born. Well, You'd be like, I got a sauger. That's the, close. Yeah, yeah that's close. You'd be able to tell yeah, them that. Yeah, yeah. It would have counted. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. those count. Yeah. yeah, those count. So, yeah, we've been at home um, kind of enjoying this time off, just me and mom. and My wife called it the baby bubble. The baby bubble, yeah. You go into a baby bubble. Yeah, it's, it's kind of odd. You hole up. 
Yeah, I've got some projects done around the house. Um, put a heater in my garage. Um, I got out bow hunting one day locally here with the longbow I built a few years ago. And saw a bunch of deer, shot a doe. She took a couple steps and I was trying to get a, another arrow out and I sliced the heck out of my thumb. Back down to the emergency room. Back down to the <laughs> emergency room. Another hospital trip. Here we go. <laughs> Got a few stitches in there. Going Dro- a lot Dro- slower He drove time. 107 <laughs> that time. <laughs> <laughs> Any chases on this trip or no? No, no, no. That's but, great, man. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's been good. Now I'm here. We're going to talk about Walleye derbies. Cheaters. But you're, um, it's amazing what they can do now with the babies. Mm-hmm. You could have a baby that early and that small, and now that baby's at home gaining weight. Right. That's like the one thing that they want to see is weight gain. Mm-hmm. So we feed him every three hours, and they're like, they check his weight. Um, but we have oxygen tanks at home, which he's been off of them for a while, and then a little monitor. So we got to, every time we move them, move cords around and stuff. Um, but like you said, like, I don't know. 20 years ago, could you have taken him home? Probably not. God, I don't know. Go back far enough, it would have been just like, I don't want to talk about what it was <laughs> like, but not good. No, no. But he was actually, right when he was born, off oxygen for two days, and then he kind of, he was working so hard, got a little tired, and that's when they put him on oxygen. Oscar. Oscar Floyd. Oscar. Not Chester. There's a. I'm gonna call it Oscar. There's a reason behind that name, though. Oh, tell me. Danielle's great grandfather was a cowboy up near Haver, Montana. His name was Oscar. Oh. You know what? I just realized that you know Boone's kid, first kid that got killed, was named James. I'm gonna start telling everybody that's who I named my kid after. Why not, right? <laughs> Retroactive. Uh, yeah, it's like be like, I'll tell you what I did. Hey, you know when you take uh, some time to clean out, uh, let's say, like clean out your garage, and you're like, man, how was I living like that with that place such a mess? Well, check this out. If you've been paying a fortune for wireless, and then you switch over to Mint Mobile and get plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you'll be saying, how was I ever affording to do that way I did it before? It's time to switch, okay, to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater, and you will cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month. Again, mintmobile.com slash meat eater. It's a $45 upfront payment required, which is the equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season... It was in the 70s and then even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you 
to get hydrated. Doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash MeatEater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. All right, Jason. We got weights and fish. We got weights and fish. <laughs> how did you get in the walleye? How, how did you get in the walleye tournament business? That seems like a good place to start. So walleye fishing or tournaments? Yeah, fishing. All right. So fishing, I've always fished, um, you know, just, just like anybody else, family, far, farm ponds, you know, just bo- bobber and a hook, you know, worm catching bass. Born in Ohio? I was actually born in California. Okay. Um, military family, so Got we it. bounced around a bit. Um, came to Ohio. That's where my parents were from. Uh, family farm in PA. Much of my fishing uh, was with my grandfathers. Uh, both of them would take me fishing. The one, I didn't think that you could actually catch fish because we'd go out, and I'm pretty sure we went out on his boat just to get out of the house, away from the wives and the grandmas. And then my other grandfather didn't fish much at all, but we would go to our family farm pond, and it was like lights out, you know, <laughs> bass and, and catfish, and, and we thought we were heroes. So I had two independently different fishing upbringings from my grandfathers. Um, my dad never really fished all that much with us. He was more of a hunter. Um, but, but I, I fished with my grandparents growing up a lot. Okay. So, um, I always fished and, and I got into uh, college and I met a few guys and, and one of my buddies in particular, he grew up in Toledo and he ran fishing charters and his family grew up fishing walleye and salmon on the Great Lakes, and he was a big-time fisherman. What would you study in college? Um, so a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> I, 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 stu- I basically studied, I think, girls in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I went down to Southern Ohio. So I did a lot of hunting down there. I met some guys, you know, so people thought I transferred out of college because everything (laughs) but school interested me. Um, So I did go into college. I, I ended up I ended up going through the police academy, uh, and, oh. and that's what I do now. I, I do that now um, as my job. I'm a local city city cop outside of Cleveland, and, and I work for a nice town. But that's what I do. So book smart stuff's not my not my deal. I'm hands on. I worked, you know, grew up doing construction and and underground utilities, and <coughs> kind of working hard. And then I just I found my way into Actually, the real estate stuff, I was working with a real estate company, and then in 06, 07, that kind of crashed out nationwide. And my boss is like, you got to do something, man. He goes, basically, I've been paying you, but the banks aren't paying us. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a good time you know, to go back. I, was, I always wanted to do it, so I went through the police academy, and, and that's what I did. Um, I actually started to think about a career job, so that's that's when I turned over and did that. Got it. Um. But back to back to college and fishing. I met I met this guy and and he's just he was an outdoor fool, you know, hunting and fishing and he grew up fishing. So I always went out on his boat, used his gear, and we learned I learned to fish the Great Lakes. I, I learned how to fish for walleye and he it wasn't a tournament style, it was just a basically a catch style. Just get out there, troll, get as many fish as you can, uh, you know, go home, clean them up, eat them, do, do the thing the next time, you know. Is there, what is the difference between a tournament style and a catch style? So Lake Erie is a phenomenal fishery just in general, but the tournament style, you, you transition from trying to catch just as many fish as you can. And we would do that oftentimes, like you'll troll and you'll troll spoons and uh, you you know basically spread them out, and spoons are a fantastic way to catch fish. But I, as a tournament guy, we wouldn't target big fish that way. So you would target structure or deep water using like bigger crankbaits and things like that. And not saying you can't catch big fish because you on want a, spoon. a few hogs and not a bunch of littles, right? Yeah. So you're almost you're almost trying to get away from the schools. You're trying to fish the edges of schools because. One theory on it is is that the big fish don't like to be around the little fish and vice versa. If if it, if you're a big fish with a bunch of little, you know, smaller fish, oftentimes males, it's just they're annoying them, especially during like early springtime spawn. Like the males are actually pestering the females. So, you know, in a tournament setting or you're trying to get trophy fish, you want the big females. And they're they're just bigger all throughout the year and in the fall. So fishing styles are slightly different, but but just to catch fish is basically, you know, how I got brought up. Yep. Can you shed a little light on that fishery from when you were fishing with your buddy back in college to what it is now? So the answer is yes, and the answer is yes and no, because I had no idea that we actually could, you know, had such a good fishery on Lake Erie. It was just I never did that. My family didn't have boats. We weren't out there running Lake Erie like a lot of these guys grew up doing. So I just thought it was, yeah, we go out there and it was easy. So now I see that it's not so easy, but once you know where they're at or know how to do it, it's, it can be easy because you can, they say that there are, you know, a hundred million walleyes on Lake Erie. And as you were talking about the ducks, they are doing interesting studies. Uh, there's a biologist with the ODNR. His name's Travis Hartman. I've been talking to him. He puts out where they're spawning, where they're going, 
to you know feed throughout the course of the year because they'll migrate from the shallow waters of the west, the all the spawning structure, all the way back out east, and then they work their way back. I mean, in a you know Pennsylvania, Buffalo, New York, and things like that, and then they're coming back east, and they're, it's all food related, it's food driven, but I'm sure a lot of it has to do with temperature. But basically, to answer your question is, I don't know the specifics about walleye fishing and how it's changed because I'm relatively new into it. But I can tell you this, when I started was the beginning of like this 02, 03 hatch where these fish were just everywhere, you know, phenomenal fishing. And then, you know, around the mid like 12 to 15 they were giants. So everybody thought you thought you were a hero, you know, and that's coming back now because now we've had this 15 and 16 hatch where it's just continuous year after year of these good hatches on Lake Erie. And now these fish are like five, six pound fish. And then the next two years, if you, if you're a walleye fisherman anywhere in the world and you wanted to go catch some trophy walleyes and catch a lot of them, you're going to want to go to Lake Erie. It's just, I'm not going to say it's easy, but when you find them, it can be easy. And you can, they're healthy. Just the fishery's healthy in general, and it's and it's thriving out there. That'd be a good little trip for you and Oscar. Yeah. I don't know if should we I invite Seth. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you get turned down to walleyes. And so I, I go, I go to buy a boat. I want my own boat now. I want to be, I want, I, I'm tired of borrowing my buddy's gear. I want my own boat. So I transitioned from like stuff that you should not be on the water with, you know, meaning it, it's almost like a boat that, that some of these refugees are coming over from like Costa Rica. Like you should not be on Lake <laughs> Erie on lake. these boats. You know, it's like a garbage can with a, with a motor on it or something. Yeah. And, lake Erie's <laughs> known for getting nasty, nasty and fast. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, the boats that I transitioned into the, the Lake Erie with is just, you know, that's for a whole new day. But so I go to buy a boat and I bought the first boat I bought was this aluminum boat and it was brand new, new motor started every time. And that was something, if I've made it to the lake, fired up the boat, fished and got back, we were having a good day. No matter what you caught out there, my first boats, if we made it like out and back without a call to the coast guard, we were doing good. (laughs) So this is a whole new thing. We got a brand new boat, new gear, and I'm out there. We're just trying to do things, you know, by ourselves. And this is around that, you know, 12 to 15 where these fish, you're just catching giants. So, I, you know, we went out there and I worked, you know, evenings. So my cousin and I would fish every single day. I'm talking rain, sleet or shine. If it wasn't blowing 30 miles an hour out of the Northwest, we were out there fishing. And we just acted like we knew what we were doing, and we started to learn and catch these fish. And, like, charter guys would call, hey, you know, how did you guys do today? What are you doing? Like, they had no clue that we were so new at this that they should never even be talking to us, but they were asking us for advice. And, I, you know, it just transpired into this thing where where I just I just loved to do it. So we started fishing every day, and uh, I got into getting a new boat from the boat shop uh, that I work at a little bit in in – these guys started to see me tinkering around with my boat. I'd always put something on it. I'd put a new fish finder on it or or I'd change the oil in the boat. So that's when they started, you know, hey, you want to work here a couple hours a week or whatever? Yes, yeah, sure. So I just kind of dabbled myself 
into the mix of this fishing industry, like with talking to these charter guys or talking to the guys at the boat shop. And an opportunity came about to run a tournament. A uh, The people who ran this boat shop's tournament, um, just they, they just didn't want to continue it anymore. They said, we're not doing it. And uh, the boat shop's like, look, we don't want our tournament to go by the wayside. Do you want to run it for us this year? What was that tournament called? So it was called the Vic Sports Center Open. Okay. Um, it was run, Vic Sports Center is the boat shop that I work for. And they just had an annual tournament just to have fun with mm-hmm. families. Uh, you know, they'd give away prizes. If you bought a boat from them and you won, you would get prizes. If you had your family on board, you would win extra, extra prizes. So it's just like a for fun thing. Okay. So not big money. No, not big money. You know, a couple grand, whatever. However many tournaments around us are all based on entry fees. So if you have 50 boats, you're going to win a lot more money than if you have 10. It's just the way it goes. So um, all based on entry fees. So I ran this tournament, had no clue what I was doing. I knew we had to put fish on the scales and at the end of the day tallied up. I mean, we had a, a, a white grease board. We're writing the names on there with the weights. And uh, we just... We just bought 30 pizzas or something that day. We just had a little, you know, fun in the parking lot. You know, it was just a grassroots, go there, catch fish, and see who won type thing. But that was my first actual, like, tournament experience as, as a tournament director. Um, I fished a few tournaments myself. We did okay. But, you know, uh, we currently fish for just the Lake Erie Walleye Trail was not mine. It was a, it was a circuit that we... Always fish coming up. It was the biggest, you know, series on Lake Erie, but there was only four events at the beginning of the year. And I would fish that with a partner. And, uh, you know, we did okay. We, I think the f- highest I ever finished was like a third or fourth place. But, but uh, my first tournament directing experience was this Vic Sports Center Open. Got it. Got it. What was the name of the tournament that the, that the infamous occurrence happened on? So, so that's the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. It's what I currently, so I, I could back up a little bit. So I fished the Lake Erie Walleye Trail with a partner for several years. And then the guys running that event just had had enough. It's, it's a lot, you know, so whenever your family dynamic changes a little bit, they just, they said, we're, we're done with it. And they were looking for a tournament director. Okay. So. And I, is, is the tournament a thing someone owns? So it is. At, at that point in time, it was owned by a club. So our club had to say so, and they put it on. So funding yeah. was, you know, probably, I, I would imagine, because a bunch of guys threw some money in there to get a, tra- a trailer and some equipment. So it was probably not just one person that shelled out all this cash. It was a handful of guys. And, so the, th- and the tournament directors or whoever owns the tournament is putting some money in their pocket. Yeah, so our tournament is like a 15%. So... um our tournaments are three hundred bucks. Tournament turn the tournaments cut is about forty five dollars. Now that's all expenses, and then you know, home. What's three hundred bucks? Entry, entry fees. Each boat pays three hundred bucks. Correct. Yep. Yep. And the tournament pulls forty five bucks out, and the rest of it's prize money. Correct. Yep. And then obviously you have some sponsorship bonuses and things like that. But everybody thinks you do make money as a tournament director. You do make money, but you're not getting rich by any means you're covering the costs you know i have like a bunch of a bunch of helpers that help out every day you know you got gas to just get to where you're going all of the things that you provide there's awards in there 
Um, awards are expensive now, and they just keep going up and up and up. But all of these expenses come out of that 45 bucks too. So at the end of the day, you may walk away with 500 bucks or something in your oh, pocket. That's all you're going to make off tournament. The tournament itself, tournament day itself, you're not making money off of. Where you can make money is if you get a sponsorship or a company that wants you to promote their business. That's where the tournament can make money. But the actual like cut off of the tournament is is very minimal. But as the director or owner of the tournament, you could sell a sponsorship package and have all the signage be uh, Bill's Boat Marina or whatever the of hell. Of course, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's... That's where, as a business, you could make money in the tournament world. It's not the cut off of the entry fees because that's that's small. On a full field, you're talking like three grand, you know. Yep. On a sixty boat field, you're talking about three grand, and you got to cover a lot of expenses that day. What What's the most you ever made fishing walleye? What's the biggest purse you ever landed? I personally. I think we finished fourth place in a in a national tournament. I, I think we brought home maybe twenty five hundred bucks. Me and me and my partner. So we split it up. It was probably about twelve fifty a piece. Okay. Um, you know, I personally have never done that great. You know, if you can't beat them, be the tournament director, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because the cheaters. What are the cheaters' first names? Do Jake. I have to say Chase and Jake? There Chase you go. and Jake. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even like saying it. It's like taboo. Okay, Chase and Jake, uh, you heard as the days went on following the story, like the amount of money they had won kind of seemed to get to a point where I was thinking, really? But you already knew that, right? Like you were at least aware of them winning all this money. No, what they had, yeah, they had like, you heard they'd won hundreds of thousands, right. like they won hundreds of thousands of dollars fishing walleye. So... On Lake Erie, so the walleye, the, the walleye tournament game has changed over the the course. I, I would say even the last like five years, maybe seven. But but there's several big derbies that we run now um, on Lake Erie that you can make some serious cash. So like so, I have a tournament right now running. Uh, it's called the it's called the Walleye Fall Brawl, and I'm personally <laughs> our tournament is giving away five the irony. Yeah, the the, the it's, Pump, that's on right now. Yeah, we're giving away five hundred and and twelve or fifteen thousand dollars in in cash and prizes to people, and it's a thirty five dollar entry. So like the game has changed within the last few years to just be this mega. Well, it's a thirty five dollar entry, right? So what happened? Yeah, go ahead. Where's the money come from? Like sponsorships, right. um, and stuff like that. Right, so Blaster, the Blaster company, you've heard, you know, they make like oils and, and degreasers, and, yeah. and and so they they've, you know, titled this and grabbed a hold of this fall fall brawl, and the money's there. Ranger Boats, uh, Vic Sports Center, they're putting up the first and second place are both boats that are over north of a hundred thousand dollars. So you you as anglers anybody can join up for right. 35 bucks yep you that's amazing that that's all the commitment it takes in it from a cash perspective well to throw your hat in it, 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 <laughs> some people don't even fish i mean they they sign up you know their wives and, and on the off chance that they do come fishing and catch that fish you know you you have the opportunity of a lifetime and it happened last year you know a guy in in you know just as 
you know, small little John boat right out of Harbor of Cleveland. You could probably throw in a rock to where his boat was. You know, he won a brand new $120,000 Ranger boat. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You know, That's another so guy that crazy. finished. Because what happened? Because he just, he just, lucked into some toads? Just the big one, man. That's it's it. It's big fish, right? Yeah. Oh, just one big fish. Just one big fish. And uh, I see. A guy offshore last year, it was either like 55 or 65 grand that he won uh, for fifth place or sixth place. I can't remember off the top of my head, but. That's the cool thing about these derbies is anybody could do it. You could show up on a weekend vacation if you're enter if you enter into the tournament, you catch one. It's it could potentially be life changing for somebody. Got it. But there's also like pro style anglers doing these things, or no? So there are. Of course there are. Anybody who fishes walleye, you know, and, and they're gonna be around eight Lake Erie, they're probably gonna enter. So you do have the big name pros. But I can honestly tell you that those guys haven't won. There's been some people that have cashed the checks. And uh, a couple years ago, a, a pretty well-known charter guy won. Um, and this spring, another charter guy won. That's just, you know, you up your odds. The more you play the lottery, the more chances you have to win the lottery. But but the the average Joes, just the average guy that goes out and wins one of these things, I think it's just cool. It's the best story there is. And they just, the guy that won last year, his kid posted something on Snapchat and the photo just went all around our area is, you know, here's the fall brawl winner. And it was, it ended up winning. And it was just cool as hell because it's just this fish laying in the bottom of this tin can boat. And his kid called it right off the rip, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and they would have won a what? They would have won $130,000, $120,000. Ranger 622, okay. 400 Verado. I mean, I don't know what the guy was in, but I know it was a small aluminum boat. So, you know, huge upgrade. Yeah. And this this is just, this fall brawl is just uh, the big fish. Just um, the big fish, yeah. Not, not the tournament where these guys ended up yeah. cheating. So, the, but the interesting thing about those two guys is they weren't, like they stuck to these smaller like regional tournaments and not like the national tour, which kind of struck me as pretty telling about their like oh that's not... yeah man because they're gonna get way more attention focused on them in a big national walleye tournament. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because there's probably I... a million dudes that just fish small tournaments. Yeah. Do you think Chester's bad because he fishes? I'm small not regional? saying that. I'm saying it seems like. Like, like it was a point that was made about these guys that they never chose to like, even though they were doing so well, a, yeah. they never made the leap to like- The resume the ne- would yeah. have led one to believe yeah. that they would have chosen to be, yeah. What's your take on that, Jason? So there's a few differences. The, the national level tour um, here, uh, the national walleye tour, you fish with somebody on your boat that is not your partner. You get what's called a co-angler. So you as a co-angler would sign up, hey, there's there's a walleye tour coming to Bozeman, Montana. I'm going to sign up as a co. On the off chance, you get to fish with some of these great guys that you hear, you know, like the Keith Cavias or the, you know, Corey Sprangle. You're like, hey, it's basically an educational charter. You heard of those guys, Chester? Mm-hmm. Those are the big names. Okay. Yeah. It, it, you know, I've done it myself because it's, you want to fish with these guys and you get randomly paired up with somebody on the national tour here. So I don't know that you would have the dynamic 
to jump in that tournament and be able to do well. Now, I know they fished in the National Walleye Tour when it would come to Lake Erie, but they wouldn't travel to go do mm-hmm. these events. And then the other national tournament that you have is the Masters Walleye Circuit. And again, they wouldn't travel to those, but they would fish it when it would come to our Lake Erie Got it. waters. Got it. What's the names again? I'm not going to forget again. Jake and Chase. Jake and Chase. Jake and Chase. You'd be bummed if one of their names was Dave because he liked the name Dave. Yeah. Chase and Jake. <laughs> when did you, how long, how long have you been hanging? I mean, uh, when did you first meet Chase and Jake? So I met them through the boat shop, just, just fish. I mean, you would, you would fish against these guys. You would talk to them at, you know, at weigh-ins. And I would say I met them probably, I don't know, five, five, six years ago, maybe just fishing against them. And, um, they weren't, they weren't, I didn't always know them as partners. You know, you could fish with other people, but, but over the past couple of years, they, that they were the team. Right. And, uh, I would work, you know, I work at the shop. So these guys would fish. They had, they had ranger boats. I would work on their boats. I would help them out with issues. Like you'd wrench on their boats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, these guys were in and amongst the crew. They would fish my, my series. Um, they were always at the shop getting stuff done and they would get, you know, new boats every year. So I was in there either helping rig, rig, asking questions, answering questions, you know, being a part of, you know, I would say these guys and, and their, you know, journey through this thing. Mm-hmm. And they're not always fishing my tournaments. They're fishing other tournaments. But, but yeah, I mean, I've known them for, for several years, five, six years. Did you fish with them? I've never fished with them. Never went in a boat with them? Never went in a boat with them. Did you, when did they become uh, known as winners? Basically, since I knew them, they were always, so we've had several different series on Lake Erie that would either, you know, put on a few events or they've, they've kind of come and gone, they've run their course, but, but they've always won, well, you know, or been the leaders amongst the leaders or the place winners. Okay. So, you know, to say that they were just, they like just this random you know, showed up and started winning thing that, you know, that wouldn't be the case. They've always kind of been in the mix. So my theory on it is, is, you know, they, they probably are good anglers. I've never been in the boat with them, but you got to be able to go and catch some fish to, to be in these tournaments. And, and who knows, you know, when it changed to kind of what it transpired out to be now, but I mean, they've, they've always been fishermen, Mm -hmm. you know? Do you think they were interested in in cash or recognition? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, I it definitely is a recognition thing, um, because if you followed them on social media, it's always you know they started their own YouTube channel and they came up with with a little nickname and they started their little fishing group. What was the nickname? Cranking hogs. <laughs> Just perfect. Phenomenal, man. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah. if you knew them for like going back six years, like how long did it take for the rumors to like start swirling around? They've always been around. So fun fact, the first tournament that I ran, the the people that did not want to do the tournament quit the tournament because of one of these guys. No. Straight up. So this this guy 
was was fishing on an inland lake and they have a a rule that you have to be on the wall off the water before like seven o'clock the day prior so uh-huh, I, you lost me you gotta- so so to practice fishing for these events let's say it was on a saturday or sunday yeah the day before that you cannot be on the water past 7 p.m i see okay gotcha, gotcha. so so they disqualified him and and because he was scouting too late so there's obviously different stories but like the story that he told me was he was just there he was with like a young guy or whatever and they were taking photos and they were just on the water their boat was not on the trailer but they said listen you're on the water it's past seven o'clock we're going to disqualify you but there was always you know that that smoke in the air that that you know he was winning too much he was cranking hogs (laughs) for the next day so those guys this is before my time were were obviously looking at him or at least they were there yeah right um so the boat shop that i worked for was like listen man you know this is one of our guys he's running one of our boats and we want you know we don't want this tournament to go by the wayside because of you know this guy that's why i started you know running the tournaments but homie that one of the guys fishing after fishing after hours on a scout day or being on the water after hours on a scout day caused someone to abandon the tournament. That's like a pretty thinly held conviction. Well, so, so it just caused a stink, right? The group, the group that was running these tournaments was like, cause he started all this drama. Oh, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, I, I I got disqualified. This is BS and blah, blah, blah. You know, he raised Uh, a stink and they're, and they're like, you know what, man, we, we just won't, we won't do the tournament for you. Like, got it. Got well, it. Just like, cause it was a, it was, as you laid out earlier, it's a passion pursuit for the director. Right. It's not a giant money maker. And they're like, this isn't even fun. Screw it. Was that, that's exactly yeah. it. Because I can tell you that that had this, man, we, I could t- just, just so much, but they don't want the drama. You know, who would, if you're doing this for fun, you're, you're putting in all this work if you were making a hundred grand or something, okay, you might deal with some headaches, but you're not. Like you're literally like pissing off your wife or taking a day away from your kids to make a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, and it's just not worth it. And this club in particular, I believe they're a hundred percent club. They do it for the fun of the game. So they're like, we're not making anything off this. So I mean, hundred percent of the of the of right. the entrance fee goes to prize money. You got it. Got you it. got it. Got and, it. And, and and these people were just like, look, we we don't want to deal with this. And if you're going to cause a stink, we just won't hold the tournament. You know, we're just not going to do it. So, <laughs> so I ran the tournament, and uh, I ran the tournament. What year was this? Oh gosh, it. I want to say maybe maybe sixteen or seventeen. Oh okay. You know, so not, that's how you inherited the tournament. That's how I inherited the tournament. And uh, fun, f- funny thing is, he he won that tournament that I ran. <laughs> and and so this oh, was no. this was he both of them or or one. So of them? so this this tournament was you could not. It was more than a one angler or a, or a partner tournament. So there was a couple people on the boat, and these two guys were not partnered up at the time. Got it. Um. And it, man, I tell you, it just, it pissed people off. Was it the one with was the stocking charge? Was it J or charge? C? Yeah, was it the one with the stocking charge or not? 
Well, you got to be more. Uh, oh, geez. was it the dude? Okay. Was it the dude in the video, Jake? <laughs> no, no. Okay, that's, okay. that's all. Okay. So, Mike, when you I'm say developing it, a theory, you said I'm it, developing okay. a theory. Can I? Can I jump ahead? Yeah, you're is the boss, there a chance, man. Is there a chance Jake was shocked to see those metal balls? <laughs> was shocked to see the lead weights in the fish? So. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. No, no, but but that's that's the meat and potatoes, and and I haven't I haven't publicly said this to anybody, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, and this will be the only time I mention their names. Okay, fair deal. Oh yeah. So when I said I'm gonna inspect these fish, and I grabbed the bag and I had it, and I'm kneeling down. Jake said, "Where's Chase?" And he felt alone. And I knew it, and oh. I knew it, I knew it in my gut that something was wrong. I knew he felt alone. Mm. Mm. Make of that what you may. Dude. <laughs> God, no. That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, See, you're trained in police work too, man. So you pay attention yeah. to shit. <laughs> I just, is that just. You talk to people all the time and they're probably telling you half bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, but everybody, you talk to people all the time that's half bullshit too. It's just yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know. it, it's just that's just the way it is. You when know? you like, like you, you mean life. Going back to that first tournament when you said like a lot of people were pissed, is there like like overall, like within that angling community, like is it a tight knit group of people? Like Yeah. And the, I mean, so there are people that literally quit fishing tournaments because they're like we can't win. That's yeah. how they felt. Yeah. You know? Mm. And, um, Man. and, and I'm, and I'm the type of guy that like, I'm not going to discriminate on you because you're winning. Right. I don't know that there's any type of like dishonesty going on and I can't say, Hey man, you're too good for the game yep. because if you are that good, that's bad for tournament fishing. Uh, if I block you and if, and if you and if you you're doing something and I don't have any proof, that's bad also, because I'm just basically just acting willy nilly. So I try to always treat them fairly. Like I I and, and my own buddies will tell me to a fault I gave them the benefit of the doubt because I had no actual evidence that they were doing anything wrong. This show is brought to you in part by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stressors, big ones, little ones. When you keep these things bottled up, it can start to affect you in a very negative way. Well, therapy is a great space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Like, figure it out. That means figure it out with someone who's impartial, who's able to sit down and hear what you have to say and think it through with you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Listen, there's no, there's no such thing. It's like, you're not so tough. You're not so tough that it doesn't do you some good to talk to somebody now and then about what's on your mind, okay? Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MeatEater today to get 10% off your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like black buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the black buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. You probably know better than me, but there must be six ways to cheat, right? Or, or whatever. Like early on, was there a, they must be doing X, like, they're, they're catching fish elsewhere and hiding them somewhere. They're putting them in a live well. And I don't know, like, you know, I mean, like what was the sort of idea that people had in the rumor mill? All of you it. You name it. Yeah, yeah. All of it. I mean, okay. so, so, and, and I've heard, oh, they must be meeting somebody. And then, you know, it's not uncommon to catch big fish in Lake Erie, but it's tough to do at this port on this day and catch five of them, right? Most of these guys will go out and they'll catch two or three or, you know, or they'll catch five good ones, but but you hear this, we need the kicker, right? You need that like 10 pounder or whatever that kind of will put you away from the pack. Because if you catch five fish on Lake Erie, they're all going to weigh decent, decently, you know, close to one another, but you need those kickers. So it's like, were they getting fish from somebody else or were they, you know, tampering with the fish or were they catching the fish throughout the week and, and then keeping them and then, you know, getting them out of a cooler and weighing them? I mean, there's just like so many different ways on Lake Erie to do dishonest things, catch, you know, too many rods in the water. You know, oh, I see. Who yeah. knows? You know, so there's always this element of 
of basically an honor system. But we would combat that, and all of these tournaments generally use like polygraph testing and, and lie detector testing. Now you're entering into an area that I'm very, very interested in. Man. <sighs> I heard. I heard. But before we get to the polygraph, uh, I'm not going to go into it now. Before but. we get to the polygraph, it, like I've never been to one of these tournaments or a weigh-in. Is there like standard X Y Z procedures that the directors or the people who are working the tournament do? To like inspect the fish or like it wouldn't matter if it was a bass tournament or a wallet, whatever. Like, is there things they're always yes. looking for? So for right off the rip, the first thing that you do when you show up in the morning is you drive through a line and we inspect the boats. We inspect your live well. Um, sometimes it just depends kind of where we're at time wise. We'll inspect hatches or coolers. Um, but places where you could potentially put a fish, we mm-hmm. will inspect that day of. We give you a check-in. And no one, no one gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass. Um, again, it's it's how backed up it is on how fast that goes. Yep. There's always people complaining about, my boat got tossed and this guy's boat got looked at type thing. Um, but but you just you try and work within the system. And I, I personally think randomized checks are good sure. because – you know, Steve, your boat, your your boat might get you know passed by or checked, and then your boat might get completely looked at in the coolers and the hatches and and wherever sure. you know. Um, so that's the first thing we do. The second thing we do is everybody leaves at the same time, and I call you out. So boat number one, you guys are good to go. They have a boat board, so I know that everybody's leaving at the same time, so they're all fishing within the same hours. So you can't show up at 5 a.m., get your boat checked in, and then sneak away and go fish and have extra time. So everybody leaves and returns. We check them in as they leave and check them uh, in as they return. Obviously, that's for safety, too. And how many miles might they be, how many miles might they cover in that span of time between check in, between checking out and checking in? On Erie, could be a lot. Yeah, so... So these guys, it's it, obviously it, it has to do with the prize money, but but also these guys just don't care. If they if I told them that there was a good bite going 80 miles away, if they had enough gas, they would go there. Okay. I don't care if they would be negative money at the end, ne- net negative money to go and do it, they would do it to win. So point being on the distances, you're doing what you can, but who knows what the hell people are doing? Right. For those hours. Right. And that goes back to the, is it for the money or the notoriety thing? That's when it's, you're going to win. So they'll do whatever it takes to win and fish wherever they need to fish to win. The two, how long ago did the, um, the two anglers, Chase and Jake, how long ago did they become like associates where they're actually fishing together? It's either been like, Two or three years or three or four years. I mean, it's not, it's, it's more recent history than it is just long time history. Had they each individually developed a reputation on their own? I would, no, I would say no. Um, the one guy did stemming back from the very first tournament that I ever worked, you know, work, worked and took over because he's been around, um, like, you know, I didn't really know about the other guy till you know, a couple of years back when they Got became it. partners. Got it. So maybe explain quickly how this tournament works. Like you had X amount of boats. 
They go out for the day. They bring back X amount of fish. You weigh them just so people get a sense of like what happened, you know? So in our world, we, we weigh five fish. Um, and we, we were leaving from Cleveland. This is our championship event. You register. Anybody can register. But the teams that fish with us for the season uh, are fishing for team of the year points. And this is just, this is the championship. It all leads down to this, basically. So we leave out of Cleveland. I think we're at about 7 a.m. to 3. We have an eight-hour window. They bring back their five best fish. I, and I always say this. Per I don't, boat or per angler? Per boat. Per boat. So your team... You can catch as many fish as you want, but we want you to bring back your five best. And I don't. And I noticed you don't care if they're dead or alive. So on Lake Erie, um, first off, walleye are difficult to keep alive, especially when they're coming out of deep water. And then, especially in the summertime, it's just near impossible. Okay. And then you throw in the factor of these 30, 40, 50 mile runs and two or three foot waves. And it's just, they're, they're just getting the crap beat out got of it, them. Got it. Okay. So uh, additionally to that, uh, the division has all tournaments on Lake Erie, our harvest tournaments. So the guys keep them or we donate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, they, they cannot be released. Because they want them out of there because uh, just the numbers are really high? The numbers are high, but also they've probably seen in, in the past the fish not be able to make it. Yeah. Got know? it. Got it. They're just beat up, you know? Okay. So you bring back your best five to the scales. Uh, we check you back in. You get in line, and you weigh your best five fish. You come up there. Uh, if you have a big fish, we'll weigh that first. And then you put all five of your fish up there, and then the team, it's strictly by weight. It's not length. It's it's weight. And if we have a tiebreaker, it's done by your big fish. Um, so then the you know the teams stack up where they may. Well, I think this tournament we made, I had 80 boats. So what's a what's a winning weight for? I mean, obviously that varies, but what's like an average like good weight that you guys are bringing in on this particular day? So, uh, like you said, it it number one it varies by location, but also varies by time of the year. So a winning weight for this tournament, it was really tough fishing. Um, I was I was thinking somewhere in the high twenty eight pounds. I always get generally pretty close. I'll say yeah, it take, it'll take 33 pounds or it may take 40 pounds. Or you might say in a couple of years, especially in the springtime, it might take 45 pounds to win. Um, Five nine pounders. Yeah. I So one of my, my tournament partner man, last good, year. That is good wall, yeah. <laughs> Last year weighed in a 40 pound bag in Huron. And I don't, he was almost not, not, he didn't even get a plaque, but he he made a check for forty pounds. And a couple years back, so like sixteen, I weighed with a partner back to back days, forty two pound bags. We weighed eighty four pounds for the two days, and we finished fourth. It's it's nuts. Some huge okay. walleye. What is? Let's just take the let's just take the day of the tournament we're focused on. What was the what was the spread? So on those days when everybody's bringing in, let's say it's a day where forty-one wins, is is second placed uh, forty pounds fourteen ounces? Yeah. So it's when the days that guys do good, generally a lot of guys will do well. Okay. And then when the days that guys do bad, a lot of guys will do bad. But you'll still see the people that get into them have pretty consistent weights. So. 
you may have five or 10 guys within like 25 pounds, give or take a pound or two here or there, but you're not going to see one guy that comes in with 38 pounds and then the rest of the field has 25. It's just that that's an extreme outlier. Could it happen? Sure. But generally these guys are good. And and there's 60 of them, right? So you're not going to have one person that's just reinvented the wheel for the most yep, part. Yeah, got it. What on the what on this day was what were people what were the bags coming in at? So the last place that we paid down to was 10th place. They were at like 16.89. Okay. And, and how much how much cash is 10th place? I don't know. Maybe maybe five eight hundred bucks. Okay. And then and how much cash was first place that day? Eight thousand. Ah, that's a good day of fishing. <laughs> Plus a boat, right? So there, no, not a not a boat, not a boat. For eight thousand, just a check for eight thousand bucks. There's a lot day of day of fishing. So there was a lot of contingencies on this. Again, it was our last event, but but eight grand was the tournament payout for first place. All right, here, here's the thing I, I I need to that I've tried to explain to people. They weren't a contender to win the day. They were a contender to win the series. Correct. Explain that. So for the year, we have several sponsors that pay out what's what we call the team of the year. So anglers will accumulate points throughout the course of the season, and we take your best four tournaments plus the championship and gives you the team of the year, the top dogs. And, um, they were in contention for that. They were in first place leading up to this event for team of the year. Oh, and that's, is that a good chunk of change? That's 10 grand. So that's the bonus. This, now we're starting to talk about how you're making money in this because eight grand for the tournament, 10 grand for team of the year. And then we have several other contingencies that we're all going to boil down to this. Would it have been possible to walk away with, would it have been possible to walk away with 18 that day? They had they won. Not, not, I mean, w- theoretically, could someone cap off a win for the day? And there's eight, and then also had er- achieved team of the year, and then they get an additional ten. So I had like seven teams, and this all plays in a factor in how this all transpired. But I had seven teams or eight teams that were within points to be able to win the championship for the team. And then actually, obviously they would have been contenders to win the tournament as well. Okay. So the, the championships weighted heavier. So it's three points as opposed to the general season, which is two. So I had my top seven teams that these guys had, they done well enough, they would have probably won team of the year, depending on how the other teams finished. So I had all that mathematics worked out and I had it all written down and and that kind of factors into how, you know. But you, I guess what I'm asking is you could potentially win both those purses. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know if there's anything that excludes you from winning the 10 and the 8. No, and most of these guys that are in the in the mix are good enough to win both. Yep, That's, you know, they, they're consistent throughout the year, and they're generally going to be consistent in the championship too. Yeah, so now in the back of your head is like, like that has a pretty big impact on your year. Yeah. To walk away with that kind of cash. Next time someone yells you about fishing too much, be like, well, look at this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These guys, these guys that do this, they, they make money, but they pull, I, I say this all the time, 
they're pulling into the parking lot with 200 grand worth of equipment. You know, it's okay. like, there's no, there's no shortage of money. And, and these guys are not, you know, super wealthy businessmen. They're not all lawyers. They're not all doctors or something. These are your salt of the earth carpenters, you know, your, your paving crews, your concrete workers, your police officers, your firemen, you know, there's businessmen mixed in here. There's real estate property owners, but these are all aspects of life. So these guys devote their life to this. They care about this stuff. They love doing it. And, and it's not, it's not all about the money, but to walk away with an 8,000 or $10,000 check makes a little bit, you know, more worth it to them, but it's, it's not just strictly based on that money. When I first, the first clip I saw from the day, it was a, it was a 30 minute long, long clip that someone was filming and you were, and you were weighing, a lot of guys are getting weighed as a tournament director. I think you mentioned this to me on the phone as a tournament director in order to enhance the drama, you might schedule out the weights in order to get these, these top contenders weighed toward the end. Is that accurate? Yeah. So what I did was that I took, took all those teams that were in the running for team of the year. And I made a, a sheet for my weigh guy, my, my guy that checks in the fish. And I said, Hey, if these guys have a good bag, keep them aside. If these guys have a really good bag, keep them aside. If okay. these guys have a decent bag, keep them aside because I wanted the build up to be at the end. So if you're team of the year and you walk up, you know, you're the third guy on the stage and you put up a good number, <laughs> it's just it is what it is, right? Okay, yeah, they got, you know, all right, they're in the, they're in the lead, but there's no build up there. Just out of curiosity, how many people are hanging around for this like this particular like team championship weigh-in thing? And there was probably, I don't know, 200 okay. maybe. Yeah, I mean, you don't gather from the first video I saw, you're up MCing. But everybody's standing back a little ways, mm-hmm. and it's not till shit hits the fan that you go like, "Oh, there's, there's a bunch a lot of, of people." Here. Yeah. Well, these guys all kind of hang back. They hang by their trucks. They're you know doing whatever, eating hot dogs, hanging out. But you got to understand, if there's eighty boats, two anglers per boat, there's hundred sixty you know anglers there, and then you know they may have their wives or kids or just some random fishermen that are coming back for the day that want to hang out. You know, so you start to accumulate a decent crowd towards the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, tr- we try to keep that. It was never like that before, but, you know, so we cook, you know, food and I got my dad out there slinging food on the grill just because I want the people to stay. It's important for not only the fishermen, but then you get things like sponsors and that's how your circuit gets bigger is being able to draw the crowd. So, you know, that's, we, that's important to us. When they came up with their bag. It seems that, like, in the crowd, you, you're already hearing a murmuring. Like there's a guy that says, let me see those fish. Right? Or I hear a guy say, I caught fish that looked a lot, or right. I caught fish that looked right. just like that in reference to the weight. Mm-hmm. So when, when they came up, and you, you're emceeing the event, they're bringing their fish up, did you know something was going on? So... I didn't know in the sense of, did you know that there was something going on? But but I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So I was paying very close attention to the fish in general because I'm trying to make it exciting for the live feed and for the anglers. So 
The second place team that was running for team of the year, they put up a fifth place number. So I knew that this, these guys that were in first place going into this event needed to be within five spots of them in order to capture the team of the year title based off points. Okay. So when I saw them put up a fifth place number, I'm like, okay, they need to be 10th place or above and they're going to win. So you actually hear me say it. I'm like, you need 16.89 pounds. I think that was the number off the top of my head in order to capture the team of the year. So when they're putting these fish from the, the bag to our weigh basket. I'm like, okay, I'm doing some quick math. I'm like, all right, four pounds, four pounds. Okay. I'm like, they got probably that's that, that real consistent. You're doing that base off just off the scale or off looking at the fish? So that, that was the number they needed was roughly 17 pounds that day. Roughly 17 pounds to take home the team of the year title. And how long did they know that that's what it was going to be? They did not know that. Okay. So so you didn't announce it, and then an hour went by. So this is part. Of, this is part of like the perfect storm, right? And I've heard. I, I'm not out there. I wasn't one of the guys, but I've heard it was. You know, hey, how'd you guys do today? You know, and and nobody would tell them. Nobody said a word to like how much or how good their day was. So when they got in, and I t- and I told them, I said, hey, I want you guys to weigh last. I kept them there. One of my guys got them off the boat and kept them in a tank. And, and waited to the end to weigh their fish. So they had no clue how the day was going to transpire. Really? No clue. So, you know, just just knowing that and knowing how this all worked out, it was, it, it was just like the perfect storm that if, in fact, they put all those weights in the fish, right? Because technically nobody's been proven guilty of anything here. If they did that, they did it based off of what they thought they needed for the day. Oh, okay. And they That's were, the question I thought I they had. somehow were watching. I thought they could somehow watch what was going on and be like, we need yeah. 16 ounces. So it's that's true normally Got because I, I put on a live feed and guys can watch. And ultimately, it takes a long time to get through all of the anglers. But in this perfect storm situation... I wanted them to weigh last because of the drama of the event. So when they got from their boat, I put them in the tank and to keep their fish, you know, healthy or, or wet. And they couldn't change it. It was it, from that second, my guy went and grabbed them off the boat and brought them over to the tank. It was locked in. That those are the fish that they were weighing. They had no access to them. They had no access to them. Well, they kept they they kept the they had the fish the whole time. They were in possession of them, but. Th- they were there. They couldn't, there was nothing that could be changed with them. Okay. Okay. They're visible. The problem for them was everybody did shitty. So, uh, which, so they overcompensated a little bit. You got, yeah. so everybody, so the fishing was tough. Okay. The days leading up to it, we had some Northeast winds. Guys weren't able to pre fish, and that's essentially practice. So nobody really knew how it was going to pan out, but it, but it sucked for a lot of different boats and the closest the best boat of the day was 28 pounds in some change whatever it was 28 some they beat them by almost five six pounds that's a lot yeah an extra fit an extra big oh, fish did, they, got, did yeah. they not need did they not need the lead so they would not have won the tournament uh they would have if if you take out the extras that were in the fish and just weighed the fish. They probably would have been somewhere in that 24, 25 pound ballpark, I would guess. 
And would have had Angler of the Year. And would have had Angler of the Year. And what their bag weigh? I, I believe 33.91. So is there speculation? And you were eyeballing them, right? You're like... Well, so, so yeah, I was, as I was saying, that when they're in the tank and they're putting the fish from the bag to the basket, I'm doing quick math in my head and I'm saying, okay, five fish times four or five pounds, you're going to be in 25 to, or 20 to 25 pound ballpark. And you're making that guess knowing what, ha- having looked at shitloads of walleye, yeah. you know what, basically what a fish is going to weigh. So... I, I do a pretty good job. It's my it is my job when you're coming up and and I look at my computer screen and I see that the big fish number is at like seven point eight and you got a big tail hanging out of that basket. It's my job to say, oh here we go. We, you know we got one. You know looking for the big fish of the day. Eight point two. We got a new leader. Yeah. If I'm yeah. not doing that, <laughs> if I'm not doing that, then then our tournament is just the same old tournament yeah, that yeah. everybody else is having. Yeah. So I I owe it to these guys to just be you know as exciting as possible. Yeah, you were emceeing your ass off in the videos. I'm tr- I'm trying, you know, because it's you do a good job. It's awesome. Like these guys are not only fishing my events, but they're my friends. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the the question everybody always asks me is like, oh well, aren't you? Doesn't it suck you're not fishing anymore? I get to be a part of the championship bag every time. Mm-hmm. So those dudes are high-fiving the, each other. They're high-fiving me. They're grabbing a hold of me, giving me a hug. I mean, it's it's awesome, you okay. know? And uh, that's part of it, too. So I really want to do a good job at that. Are they weighing the fish one at a time? No. So we weigh in the big fish first. That's one at a time. And then they add the other to make your five fish basket, and then we weigh all five. Of so them. any, so so, Chase and Jake step up. One of them steps up, whatever the hell, and he's going to put his biggest fish on the scale, and you see the readout. Did you think that fish doesn't weigh that? I've been looking at these fish all my life. So people people say when they watch the live feed that that they can't tell. But the wind was just sucked right from my sails, man, because it was 7.90, and there's just zero chance that it was 7.90. Because you've been looking at too many fish. You know what they weigh. Eight-pound fish are, are those fish on Lake Erie yeah. that are 28 29, or 28, 29 inches, and they're just a solid, healthy Lake Erie fish. Now, the class of fish that were coming in was the stock five-pounders that are on Lake Erie right now. You can go out there. And if you want to make some some walleye gumbo, you're you're gonna catch, <laughs> and the, I do, yeah, <laughs> the perfect fish to do that with. Okay, these were not those eight pounders, and and to to weigh seven nine zero, you can tell, you could tell by the tail, you could tell by the head, and it just wasn't there, man. So I I, I just the wind was just sucked right from my soul at that time, and I'm, what do I do? You know, what do I do? So they, they, they put the big fish into the basket and weigh them all. And I'm just like 33 and some change, whatever, almost 34 pounds. I'm like, no way. And and what was the, what was second place at that point in time? 28 and some change. Ooh, that's rough. And, and they're the similar class of fish. You're like, these fish look like those fish, but they're somehow, you know, seven pounds, eight pounds heavier than everybody else. Right. Where we know they're like going for the 
team of the year. Where were the, wh- how are they standing for the, the individual tournament? Top dog. They, yeah, they would have won. Oh, they would have won by six pounds. Oh, Just they would. They would have won for they, the for for that particular. Tournament. No, they would have won the tournament and the team of the year, and walked with eighteen. Okay, without not. Oh, with, I see. If you mean without the weight? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to figure out if they were, if they got real greedy and they're trying to get both purses. So they did. Yeah, that that was what happened. Yeah, but they would have been. If the fish that they weighed were unaltered, they would have been in the money. Yeah. And they also would have won team of the year okay. because they would have been above yeah. above 16 points. But they now. wouldn't have won the individual right. tournament. But they you know, keep in mind, no one knows, maybe you know, that that um probably not the first time they did this. You don't so say. Even, so no, I'm saying like because <laughs> in my head I'm like, oh, if they just wouldn't have done it, but then I'm like, well, if they wouldn't have done it. They yeah. might have never even been in that situation, anyways, because yeah. it might have been habitual, mm-hmm. right? It, it was, unless it was just like a, yeah, you know, it had to be like, was it the first time? Did you get caught the first time? I, I mean, the fact that, like, not only were, were they there's big lead weights, but they're like, oh, that's not enough. I got to shove some fillets in Dude, there. Dude, the too. one that yeah. the one that got me was the pair of pliers. <laughs> So, <laughs> so let's back up. I want, I want to back up to the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get to all this stuff, but yeah. you haven't touched one of the fish yet. No. Okay. So he lays it up and you're like, you're like, okay, that's not right. They lay them all up. That's not right. Uh, this all happened very fast. What was so, so give me a play by play. What was the next thing you did? He, all five around the scale and you're like, no way. So. Yeah, I, just, I tried to play it off like it was all good. And and I said, hey, get some photos. I want you to hang tight um, because I wanted to look at them. I know, I knew in my gut that just something was wrong and I had to do something. Like I've, I'm just in my mind, I'm hearing all the, all the anglers throughout the whole course of the, you know, this year and last year, oh, you know, this, you gotta, you gotta protest them. You gotta do this. You gotta check those fish. You gotta... You know, you got to do something about this because I'm I'm literally losing anglers because they continue to win, and guys are just like I'm done with it. What like, was the crowd reaction? They were pissed, and it was like it was like silence. Yeah. It was, was like, it instant when you have a team that puts up a good number and not one single person in the crowd is happy for them. <laughs> with, an exception, with an exception, I think it was like my buddy's mom. There, she was like, <laughs> she's like, yeah. Woo-hoo! And he's like, he's like, hey, shut up, mom. You know, like, we're not rooting for those guys, you know. But, but like, nobody's happy. You know that there's a problem, and 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 it all falls back on me. Yep. Because everybody wants me to do something about it. So it's not a, it's not an easy spot to be in, man. No, like, that's tough. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via 
convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. I want to tell you about an American-made success story and Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. Black Buffalo is all about the history and tradition of dip, but they understand the convenience and discretion modern-day consumers are looking for. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches give you the versatility to consume discreetly, but keep the ritual with flavors dippers love. Mint, straight, and wintergreen, all proudly made right here in the USA. Tell them, Chili. The reason I like Black Buffalo pouches is, one, they're very discreet. And what I mean by that is I can throw one in and almost forget it's there. And I prefer the mint pouches. So if you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who, over recent months, I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. This whole year, and again, so they were disqualified from an event um, last year, the the fall brawl. I now run it. I did not run it last year. Okay. So they were disqualified via the results of this polygraph. And this has nothing to do with when they got disqualified for the late night fishing. Nothing to do with it. Okay. So there's these incidents, right? 
but I have no firsthand knowledge as to what took place. And again, I, you know, could I say, I don't want you to fish. That's what everybody wants me to say, but I'm treating these guys as equals because I have no actual knowledge that anything was wrong. I, I, I hear this story. Hey, you were disqualified from that event, but why did, did you not wear your life jacket or did you, you know, uh, alter the fish like two two ultimate ends of the spectrum and you can't get that piece of knowledge no is there a standard set of questions that are asked in those polygraphs or I, I think it all depends on you know the, the actual tournament and then the examiner yeah. and then you know there's there's a but lot it could of have been did you drink beer of course, right. Did you ask, did you have three rods out and then realize you had too many rods out and pull a rod in or whatever right so, so that, and that's my point, like should being disqualified from an event be a life sentence, you know, because I don't know what they did. And I've always maintained this with whoever I talk to, like if you did something wrong, that's okay. Everybody will do something wrong at some point in time in their life. But if you cheat people out of money, screw you. Like mm-hmm. I, like I, I, and I always say, I'll treat this as if it was my money, but it's not my money. It's your money. So if you're treating or, or cheating people out of money, I have a huge issue with that. I don't want uh-huh. you any part of our events. And and I could never say that that is actually what took place. So I, so I allowed these guys to fish. Like my own buddies, like I could look, show you text threads where like my buddies are like, you got to get these dudes out of here. This is bullshit. And I'm just like, just shut up. I, I don't have anything to exclude them with. And it wouldn't be right for me to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I felt that. You know, and I defended these guys because I had no proof that they did anything wrong and I'm not going to treat somebody differently because they're doing well. Yep. You know? Is there a reason you rely on polygraphs for this kind of stuff rather than something like a random fish inspection? Like every bag that comes up, I'm going to take one of these fish and kind of feel around and see if anything's sketchy. So that would give you one verification that somebody didn't cheat in that weigh on that fish so first of all you weigh five so you got a, a one in you know a 20 percent chance of catching somebody if they did alter one fish sure. and then there's so many different ways that somebody could do something uh dishonest at a tournament altering the fish in my opinion would be like the last one the first one would be calling your buddy and saying hey man they're biting over here get over here and then you just catch good fish yeah the next one would be probably using too many rods to catch those fish, you know, but m- m- I would guess if anybody was doing anything wrong on the event, it wouldn't be loading the fish. That's a good explanation because I've, I've, I hadn't thought of that. I kept being like, well, it seems like none of this would be an issue if they didn't use magnets or some sort of metal detector of some sort. But yeah, it's just like, it's such a, uh, you can't control all these other things. It's the, it's the most like antiquated way to cheat an event would be to load a fish, but also at the same time, it's one of those where that's a question on every, every test. Did you alter the fish in any way? And if you're passing those tests, you have to believe that they were doing things honestly. And we have, you know, it's the good old boy system with, I'm not on your boat with you, but you have these tests and you would, you know, verify the results based on them so you just assume that they're you know doing what their job is you know okay uh you tell them 
to go hang their fish up for some pictures. And then what happens? They take a few photos and you start hearing the crowd grumbling. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's when it's like, uh, I'd like to see those fish. Let me see those fish. We had the same fish as those that didn't weigh that. That whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but no, you're you're quoting. That's exactly <laughs> what these guys were saying. You know, I mean, so I say, listen, I want to I want to check those fish. You know, and he's like, oh, this is bullshit. This has got to stop. Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, I want to check the fish. So I get and him. only one of them's there. Yeah, the other guy, he's he he headed to the truck. The minute you said I'm gonna check those fish, yeah, because he was doing photos. He was doing photos, and then, you know, he 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 bounced, um, which would be unusual to bounce in that moment. So the weird thing is, with these guys, yeah. So you look, just look at human behavior, right? If you just won something, you're proud of it, like. You want to be there. You want to be part of that moment because that's mostly what these guys fish for. You know, you don't you don't go out there and put up a first place bag and not even weigh your fish or be up on stage. Like who who does that? Yep. But that was that's how this went down. And you're not even a part of being on the stage. You just won team of the year. You just won first place in the tournament, and you weren't even on the stage. Like what'd you have to do? You know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so, so take the human behavior element so that you have that. And I, I say, I want to look at these fish and he's just like, he's pissed. He's pissed at me. Like, are I you, didn't catch that. What's he's protest. I, 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 I didn't see that. He's protesting the decision. The ang, yeah. The angler is like, he's pissed at me. Like, are you kidding me? You know, cause these guys are always giving me an ass ache. Like this has got to stop. And I'm like, eh, I want to look at him, you know? And I, I'm not. I don't want to say that I did anything to be like a hero, but I was very uncomfortable. I didn't want to do this. Uh-huh. And, and and if I'm wrong, I am the asshole. You know, if I'm, if I'm looking at these fish and, and if I slice that fish open and I'm wrong, yeah, yeah. the whole, I probably don't have a tournament anymore, you know, yeah. especially if you did it just to one person, right? Exactly. And and so that's that's the thing. I'm I'm always trying to not treat these people differently than the than the rest of the guys. So I said, I want to look at them. So the first fish I get out and, and I just look to see the condition of the fish. Is it alive? Does it look like we call it, you know, zombies? Do they look like a corpse? Because walleyes have color, you know? Nice green color. You can sometimes if they're on ice, you could see the spots where the ice cubes were sitting. I mean I'm looking at the fish to see what the condition is. And it, and it, and it looked kind of like a zombie, uh, you know, it just, it looked like a beat up walleye. So I put that fish in the basket and I pull out the second fish out of the bag and I, same thing. I'm just like, man, no color looks, looks dead. You know, the eyes, the tail, uh, fish develop ammonia when they're in the live well, their fins get red. And, and you could tell, you know, when they're in a live well and they come out of the live well, you could see that red redness on their gills and hmm. on their tail. I didn't know that. So I'm looking at this and I take my hands and I actually like, I squeeze the fish because, you know, I wanted to just feel if it was firm. Like when a fish is on ice or it's, or it's fresh, it kind of has like a firmness to it. 
Actually, like, so when you eat fish, you like to do it out of cold water because they're not mushy. Or if you freeze, like people fish for crappie and they say they get mushy if you put them on ice. So I just want to feel the fish. And I feel this like hard, like ball in the belly of this fish. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I knew. I knew. Was it, was it subtle? No. Okay. No, it just a wasn't like a crawdad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, walleyes are not eating like baby Rocks. turtles or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. just I knew immediately what had what was going on. I just knew it because you match that up with the the weight of the fish not being consistent with the actual size of the fish. So it didn't it didn't meet the eyeball test. Yeah. So then I I I touched this thing and I'm like. Oh my God. So I didn't have a knife. Here's where your Leatherman comes in. Okay. <laughs> the Leatherman did not come from within the fish. Oh, the okay. Leatherman. Yeah, like, I've heard. Okay. Got it, I've got heard it. people say, multiple people talk about the pliers, but I never saw pliers come yeah. out of the fish. So I didn't know what people were talking about. Okay. Yeah. So that's just one of got those. It. That's one of those internet stories because you see the picture of the fish yeah, with totally, the pliers. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. So, so my buddy gets me this Leatherman and he hands me this thing. And it's got a busted off tip. It's like the most garbage <laughs> knife that you could even imagine. And and you see on the video, I swiped this fish like with some pretty serious aggression because I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I knew, you know, I did not go searching in the fish for something. I knew that there was something in there that oh. I needed to get out. So I swiped this fish open and I grabbed... I grabbed the weight and I, you know, obviously this is where the, the internet caught fire. (laughs) Raw emotion from like my soul comes out because everything that anybody had ever said about these guys has now just became public knowledge and, and a hundred percent fact. There was no polygraph. There was no, he said, she said, there was no, Oh, he was on the water late, or oh, he met up with a different person, or oh, he texted and and or he bought a fish from a charter captain. You name it, I've heard all the stories, right? Yep. There was no stories. There was weights that I'm yanking out of the fish. <laughs> and that's you know, and that's when you hear We got weights and fish! Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! Because I I, I hated it. What yeah. I just what I just found out is these guys duped me you know they they were they were pulling it over on me and this is my event and and i was the one fooled and a sense i allowed it i i i I allowed some impropriety in my event and it sickened me you know because i care about these dudes and i've i've said this but like these anglers they are my they're my boys they're, you know, they brought me through. So last year I had cancer. Okay. I didn't tell anybody. These dudes found out they made a charity event in my honor. Um, we raised funds. I was financially stable. We raised funds for somebody else and we continue that now year after year. They cut my grass. They brought me food. They showed up at my house. I love these dudes. Mm-hmm. And, and these guys took away all those moments you know, standing on stage with your kids and, and sharing that first place. Anybody who's ever taken second place should have taken first. 
Anybody who's ever taken third should have been second. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was out of the money should have had a couple bucks. They pour their life and soul into these events. And 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 to take the, not the money, that time that you can never get back because there you there's that element you don't know. And all of these dudes brought me out of the worst time of my life and got me through it and and I care about this stuff more than you could even imagine just because of the people who are involved. It's not about making a couple hundred bucks on a weekend. It's not about a sponsorship. It's about the dudes that care about the sport and care about me. And I want to provide the best tournament on Lake Erie because it's it, they deserve it. These mm-hmm. guys deserve it. And Lake Erie deserves it. And that's and that's all what all that came boiling up. That's what came out because Did you almost deck them? <laughs> yeah, was that like an umpire throwing you out of the game? We motion debated or it. Like I, a, d- I thought you, your instinct was to 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 give him a haymaker, and then instead did an umpire. Sean felt it was just umpire from the start. Yeah, but I mean, it might be a beautiful hybrid of the two. I'm not sure. I think that it's an umpire uh, more than a haymaker. I never. <laughs> <laughs> like I never, 60, 40? I never you were thought a baseball. Of, never guy. thought about coughing them. Yeah, I, I played baseball for for a long time, so that's what came out. Yep. Uh you know, I may or may not have been ejected from a few games. So <laughs> you're like now the tables have turned. Yeah. I've been so waiting I to do this my yeah. whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like these dudes, these do I just they're they're gone. I wanted everybody, everybody to know that they're gone, you know. Then it's just, just in case nobody saw what happened, like they weren't subtle about it. It wasn't like they slipped a few split shots in there. Like these are like giant, no, they went eight ounce cannonball <laughs> weights and twelve so twelve ounce and eight, twelve ounce, and, and, yeah. and eight out and eight ounce weights is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. In, in that fish, in that fishing, and in those strategies, is there a reason to have those weights? No, not that heavy. So we would we would typically use two ounce, sometimes even three ounce weights uh, to essentially we call it snap weighting to get your yeah. baits deep. Yep. Um, but but no, we there would be no reason to have a twelve ounce weight on the boat. Even yeah. I mean, some guys will fish with downriggers, but then you're talking, you know, yeah, cannibal, a cannibal, yeah, five, yeah. six, seven pound yeah. weights. What what was up with the what was up with the fish fillets they had stuffed in there? I think the theory that I think is that was padding. I think it was just simply. Oh. I think it was padding. Yeah, to like to to help to hide the metal and ball. hide the look of a lead ball in the stomach. Yeah, I'm curious. It was like, like the how... wadding. It was like the wadding on a musket ball. Yeah. <laughs> were, were the like I, was it just inside the body cavity or in the stomach? Like, or did it just? You cut it open. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not like a surgeon or anything. Like I'm but, just wondering how they jammed all that stuff oh, down in the there. Stomach, right? Yeah, yeah I would, it had I would imagine. So I haven't personally done it, but like I know guys have tried, and they're like, I don't. We don't even know how you could do this. It's hard. To, yeah. to stuff a weight down oh. like, the throat. So, um, you know, I, I I have no idea. Honestly, it's like I want to be so far away from the situation, but guys have like they've tried. <laughs> they're like, we don't even know how they could do it. Got it. In the in the video, the the what, what gives it almost like a um, like a, a level of emotion on par with the Greek tragedy is the way that Jake hangs his head and silently 
stands there absorbing a massive amount of uh, of abuse. What? Uh, when did that end? I don't think it ended until they. It still hasn't ended. Take a look at social media. But no, but yeah, when no, did it? Yeah, when yeah. did it be that he? How did it come to be that he left that circle of like someone's going to beat his ass? Yeah. So there was a guy there that that took control of the situation. He's a he's a county sheriff, and he's he said, you know, we gotta we gotta treat this thing as if it's a crime. So he kind of pulled him off to the side, made him hang there until some local law enforcement showed up, and and you know they were still badgering him verbally, but. It, it but never, he was protected at that's that. That's the image of them sitting on the side of the curb. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So what? Uh, what criminal charges will come out of this? Wanton, so, wanton waste, right? Probably for the fish fillets would be like one of many. So what they've been charged with was uh, unlawful possession of like wild game, something of that nature, something like that. Well, what was the unlawful possession? I, I think like the fish fillets. Okay. I, so yeah. you can't, some lakes, like uh, Lake Ontario salmon fishing, uh, I've at least, at you least can't I, clean it on the water, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that may have been part of that. Yeah. Cause they, they've also obscured the identity of the fish. Maybe it, I believe it still had the skin attached. So oh, I see. There, there's just so many rules and regulations and that the division knows by heart that I obviously don't, but, uh-huh. but so, so they were charged with some kind of, uh, possession of those fish fillets or doing whatever they did with the yep, fish fillets. Yep. And then mostly all the other charges were theft related charges. Okay. Um, and, uh, anything serious. Yeah. I mean, grand theft over, over a thousand oh, bucks, you okay. know, felony level. Um, got it. Got it. they, both of them were charged with the same thing, I believe, and uh, it's in the court system now. I think they actually had they had uh, court recently. So did yeah. they seize their equipment and boat and trucks and all that stuff? They too? they seized the boat. I know that. Um, I don't know if there was any equipment on the boat. Um, I don't believe a truck was seized. Just the boat and maybe whatever equipment was on it. Mm-hmm. And there was a court date. This isn't going to come to a jury trial, right? It's their right to do that, but you know, I, that's their that's their their call. Anytime you get a jury trial, it's because somebody wants one. Yeah, you know what? Uh, how are they doing? Nobody knows. So, honestly, I have asked a couple people that know them. So, the owner of the boat shop, very good friend of mine, he mm-hmm. obviously sold this guy a dozen boats over the years. Knows him. And, uh, you know, considered him a friend. I said, you know, are they okay? Because, like, honestly, I don't, to take the beating that they took online is just tough. I mean, do they deserve some beating? Sure. But I don't want to see anybody, like, hurt themselves and, 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 you know, private life, family life suffer because they made a mistake. It's just one of those things you just don't want to see. If, if if one of the guys like did something or hurt themselves, man, I, I don't know. It's I don't care what you did or what mistakes you made. That affects a whole lot of other people and, and I don't want to see that. So I did hear that, you know, 
there's at least one of the two guys is struggling a little bit, um, keeping, keeping the sanity um, mm-hmm. amongst all the beating, you know, and then one of the guys, uh, you know, mate, I, I hear kind of just whatever. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know that to be true. It's did, just, I put feelers out did there. Did they issue any kind of public apology or anything like that? Nope. No, no, no I don't. I don't know that you ever will hear anything from them. Um, I don't know that they've talked to any law enforcement. I don't know if they talked to anybody except for whatever attorneys they got. And, yep. and you probably will never hear from them again. I don't know. Do you feel that you'll at some point reach out to them? I will never reach out to them. Okay. Um, like morally, like I want to, but I just won't do it because... I don't want that to be misconstrued that I was like trying to harass them. Like, let's say they don't answer the phone and, yep, and yep. I, and I keep calling. I don't, I, I just won't, I just won't do it. Yep. You know, as long as they're doing okay or somebody that knows them says they're doing okay. That's, that's fine. Is your, what does this mean for your tournament now? I mean, are you, you going to forge ahead? Do you got to rebrand it? Do you expect to be hundreds and hundreds of anglers at the next one? Like <laughs> no one at the next one. So, I think that we're going to be stronger than we ever were. Uh, two reasons, because some of the guys that did not fish will fish now. Okay. I've had people from other states reach out to me. Mostly everybody has said that, like, we're proud of what you did. Thank you for catching people and keeping it honest, because I've always branded my tournament with transparency and just honesty. Like if I screw up, if I screw up something on the roster, or you paid me and I didn't get you on there, it's my fault, man. Mm. I will fix it. And and but I but I've said I, I I will not stand for somebody stealing from you guys. You know anything else we can work through, no yep. matter what. And and a lot of people like that. A lot of people appreciate that. Like I I just truly want to do it for the right things. And and I think it's I think it's we're going to be stronger than ever. You know I've I've had nothing but positive feedback. Has have more solid accusations emerged? Uh, like, has anyone talked about past wins? You know, where they're like, "Well, now that it's a big deal, let me tell you what I saw him do one time." Or yes, again though, it's all just like strictly hearsay. So okay. you hear all of the stuff about. You know, I've got text messages. Oh, you know, this guy tried to, you know, ask me if I had any big fish and, and yeah, all that's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. all that's just noise really. But what it does do is it makes all of the anglers think about times where they had some questions because m- number one, I'm not at every tournament. I don't run every tournament. And number two, I have other things to think about. So if somebody comes up with a fish that might not look right, it might just be part of the mix. You know, if you weighed in second and put up 33 pounds, I didn't know that it was an outlier until the very end when you put up 33 pounds. Now those fish are gone, yeah. right? But what I mentioned about the perfect storm is I had them weigh last. Not because I thought they were doing anything wrong, but because I wanted the drama to be there for the event. Yeah. And when they weighed last and it was such an outlier, now you have all the people saying, no. No. So, you know, they're bringing my attention at this time or that time or whatever. It's all, there's no real way to go back and see what happened. But, but yeah, everything these guys have ever won is now drawn into question. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you anticipate this having any kind of 
large scale effect on fishing tournaments as a whole, like around the country or? So I think a couple things. Yes. Number one, I think it's a deterrent in general because nobody, no, no. <laughs> if you were a dude that's got away with. I got an idea for how to win a tournament. Oh like, that's my That's not going to happen. <laughs> nobody in their right mind wants to become a Halloween costume. Right. I right. mean, it's just, <laughs> it's, right. I mean, yeah. The, you could, you, the beating these dudes took yeah, yeah. and are continuing. I mean, oh, man. you don't know how badly I wanted to post all the photos and stuff. People sending me Halloween costumes. I mean, it's just like, yeah, this is just priceless stuff, but I can't, you know, I, I just got to maintain my, my, you know, stability here, but it's just, nobody wants that to happen, you know? Yeah. See, in the back of my mind, I'm trying to think of how to turn this into a musical. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we got weights and fish, the musical. Phil's voice. I, I love tournament fishing. It's fun. It's the group of people, like you're saying, you learn a lot. You're forced to get outside your comfort zone and figure fish out when you may not normally do that. But yeah, it's it's hard when you know you tie mo all this money to fish and wildlife, and people like these guys pull stuff like that. You know, it's just so. Here's the thing, right? We all grew up, we played sports, and we were competitive in some fashion. Well, now, I, and I say I say this all the time: we're old, we're fat. You can't go play baseball or football because you're gonna you have to go to work on Monday, mm -hmm. right? So imagine finding that that niche. Some people it's competitive shooting. Some people do ax throwing, whatever, whatever it is. Some people play cornhole. I mean, you name it, people find competition as they transition through life. Well, for us, it's fishing. And, and that adrenaline rush at the beginning of the morning, guys got their music playing, national anthems rolling, you know, and then you send them and you know, you got a 30, 40 mile trip and you're going 60 mile an hour in this boat. It's just the adrenaline's pumping, man. I, oh yeah. So you're jacked up. And then Factor that in with you just had a kid. You took that day away from your kid, right? No matter what, whether it's him babbling or possibly saying dada for the first time, or maybe maybe it's something else, you know, throughout the course of their life, you're taking that away from your kid too. So these guys are investing not only time and money, but then life experiences because they want that competitive thing back in their life. You need it. People are addicted to a lot of things, right? Some it's alcohol and whatever and bad stuff. Like we're, ad we're adrenaline junkies, right? You're, you're addicted to going out in the outdoors and hunting and getting out of your comfort level and eating, you know, all this game that you find out there. That's what you're addicted to. You know, you might be addicted to waterfowl and, you know, it sounds to me like you're passionate about it. Everybody has that. Well, for these guys, it's fishing and, and this is how we do it. You know, this is how we spend our time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, Seth and I did a, the Montana walleye circuit this year and I get that adrenaline rush. It was, it was so fun. And we, I mean, we don't do it for the money, you know. And um, most guys don't do it for the money at all because there's just not that much money. Why? There, why but... were you on that day? That one day bugging me about if I had any big fish. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. Get out of here, Steve. <laughs> I'm the last guy I would call if I was looking for a big walleye. By the way, <laughs> we're we're uh, we're donating all the. We didn't win much, but we're donating all back to like kids' life jackets and 
whatnot. So a lot of my guys do that. In the last event, um, we helped a young man. Is his he's struggling with with uh, leukemia, and uh, a lot of our anglers called me privately and said, "Send my money to the family or you know donors." I don't know the number, but I bet you this year alone we've probably given about ten grand to just local people um, that That's needed awesome. some assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's what it's all about, you know. It's yeah. it, it's and nobody's trying. Nobody wants any recognition. Nobody's trying to be a hero. Chase and Jake send a lot of that money off to those people. <sighs> uh, no, I don't think so. But I can't. I, you know, I don't know no, that no. to be true. You think if Seth and I showed up at your tournament next year and we pre-fish for a few days, we'd get our butts kicked because we've never fished <laughs> on Lake Erie before? So I think that two things would happen. <laughs> well, I'm on the edge of my seat. I think that you would have a blast. Yeah. I, I, and, and anything that you needed, we would, we would assist you with, including a boat if you didn't want to drag one across the country. And then you would get your ass smeared by these guys. <laughs> <laughs> these, these guys, these guys are good. Oh yeah, and, uh, I, the, dude, that sounds like a challenge that you shouldn't turn down, yeah. Chester. No, I, I'm, I don't doubt it. But the, I would love to. That's the big to, water, Chester. Oh, I would love it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a year. little bit accustomed to the, you know, being from Wisconsin, Great Lake stuff, but never S- fished Erie. So I'll say this, and I, I didn't know you were from Wisconsin, but so we call them cheeseheads. You guys are fishing fools, and, <laughs> and, and the cheeseheads always come down and do good. And there's different times of the year where if you want to jig and cast at them, you'll mm-hmm. do just fine. Yeah. Uh, John Hoyer just won the National Walleye Tour Championship, mm-hmm. casting up in the weeds. weeds. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just you got to know your niche and get after it mm-hmm. and make it work for you. He's that representative of the sport that's just great dude, nice to anybody that I've personally, you know, anybody has nothing but nice things to say about him. And and he called, you know, he reached out after this and he goes, you did a good job. So those guys were fishing uh, USA Predator Series. They were, they were across uh, overseas somewhere, Nova Scotia maybe. Xander, they, they they mailed me back a tackle box, and you know I said like we got weights and fish, and <laughs> him and Max Wilson and uh, and um, and uh, Ryan Buddy, and uh, oh, who's the last guy? They sent me back this tackle box, man, and I was just dying from yeah. their fishing over from there. their yeah their Predator series over you know because that's when yeah. it took place. They were they were getting got ready it. to be over there, yeah. so they mailed me that back that tackle box, and I put it up on my wall. All right, Jason Fisher, thanks for coming on, man. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity, although I thought it was fake. No, <laughs> I thought real. I was getting catfished, not walleye. So <laughs> That's real. <laughs> this is, de- is going to be the definitive. I think we'll call the episode, We Got Weights and Fish, The Definitive Oral History. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It's a great title. Yeah, yeah. thank you, though. Yeah. And, that was uh, great, man. I really appreciate you doing it. it what, let's, let's make a side bet here. If you... If you come up and finish, what do you want to got? Top five or you want to place in the money? <laughs> <laughs> for for a, your tournament? What's, yeah. what's how far down does the money go? Tenth? Oh. So it depends. So we pay out fifteen percent of the pool. So, you know, if there was a hundred guys, we would pay fifteen. Man, we're we're still learning a whole <laughs> lot. So I would say being in the money, be happy. All right. 
If it was 100 bullets, you got to be 85 of them, by my record. <laughs> you, you following, Phil? How many days are you going to let me pre-fish? <laughs> <laughs> I, There's no listen, limit on that. I got a place to stay. I got a boat you could use. I got everything you need, man. The one thing I don't want, Come on, if Jester. we do go down Stop there, and on. is too much help. Does that make sense? Mm. Perfect. We won't help you at all. It makes no. <laughs> no, no. Like a boat, maybe, because who knows? We might not even have our boat next year uh, that they that we got. Um, but other than that, you know what I'm saying? I don't want people to be like, oh, they j he showed up and they told them where to go and how to how to do it. Um, he hadn't been around a while because they said if you can't beat him, be the tournament director. So me telling you stuff. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> no, um, Chester, stop hemming and hawing, man. Let's go fish the damn tournament. I think I think it would be yeah. an awesome time, man. It would be it would be cool. You know, we don't have to we don't have to side bet on anything. But I think, no side bet it. <laughs> I'm not good at I'm not hundred bucks. There you go, <laughs> Chester. I'll make you a side bet. Any amount of money you want, and my bet is going to be that I'll bet just to, just to make it fun. I'll bet against you being in the middle mark. So I'll bet that hundred bolts, you're you're fifty or less. You're saying okay, hundred bucks says. Hundred bucks says I, I'll be above fifty. Okay. Make a whole shitload of bets. That's how my dad quit smoking. I can't make too many. You make bets. so many bets, you you be like I I can't lose. I can't afford to lose the bet. Uh, that's that's hey, anyways, smart. Then just gonna have a big old pocket full of sinkers. We'd love to come down. <laughs> awesome, uh, no. be fun. We got you set up. If you need something, we're here for you. You guys got to go fish this yeah, tournament, seriously. man. All right. We'll I kind of want to go. I don't want to fish it, but I kind of want to go what, When you guys really need to come down, honestly, is in the springtime or the fall when the fish are just giant. To, to go and catch fish, it's fun. You can have a great trip doing it. But to chase that Lake Erie giant is what people come to, to yeah. Erie for. You right. know? That's, that's what you want to do. Go tournament, Chester. Okay. That sounds like a blast tournament big money uh, see if i can beat that fish that i got last spring out there no just imagine man this is the longest end to a meat eater podcast I, ever yeah, I, wish well, I know all my craft <laughs> I all wish my I, like all my craft at hosting and trying to yeah just like, i wish know. i had my phone it'd be like throw your cards on the table right now you know all right phil turn the machine off chess is gonna show this wallet picture jason no, fish on Oh. oh, yeah. That's a nice fish. There you go. Turn oh. the machine. <laughs> I, I remember my first walleye. Yeah. <laughs> and theme music. For three days only, save up to 30% off bestsellers from First Light, FHF Gear, Phelps Game Calls, and the Meat Eater Store. They'll also have for sale the Bear Grease Trucker Hats and Camo. They're included in the sale and all the great gear on First Light. Whether you're fishing, shed hunting, scouting, sighting in rifles, or cutting lanes, your gear needs to keep up with all your spring and summer pursuits. The sale has you covered. Hurry, the sale ends May 16th. Shop now at firstlight.com, F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com.